Man, I feel good about church today, don't you? Amen. Mark chapter 11, and uh, we're going to get right into the word. Verse number 1, and when they came nigh to Jerusalem unto Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples and said unto them, Go your way into the village over against you. One version says the village that is near to you or the next village. And as soon as you be entered into that village, you shall find a colt tied whereon never a man sat, loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, why do you do this? Say to them that the Lord hath need of him. Say this with me. The Lord has need of me. And straightway he will send him here. And they went their way and found the colt tied by the door without in a place where two ways met, and they loose him. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, What are you doing, loosing the colt? And they said unto them, Even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him, and listened carefully, and Jesus set upon him. Jesus set upon him. I asked the Lord this morning in prayer, Lord, would you sit among us today? Would you just take a seat right in our presence today? Because if you do, anything can happen. If you sit up in this sanctuary today, someone can be delivered. Someone would be saved. Someone would be restored. Someone would be healed. Someone would be refreshed. Someone would be renewed. Someone would be revived, Lord, if you would just take a seat among us. I dare you to throw one hand up and tell him, Lord, have a seat among us today. Keep those hands raised. Father, we seek you now, and we ask you to have your way in this building. We ask you to break any generational curse and dismiss any generational spirit. And Father, we thank you that you're going to do what only you can do in this building now. We have worshiped, we have praised, and now we expect you to do your thing among us. We've honored you, we adore you, we admire you, we extol you, we exalt you, and we expect you to do your thing in this house today. Have your way in the name of Jesus. Let everybody put your hands together for Jesus Christ one more time and let's give him praise. Amen. I'm going to preach a message this morning entitled, A Donkey at the Door. Look at someone next to you and say those words, a donkey at the door. You may be seated. Holy week, holy week begins now. Holy week begins now. Everything about this week embodies passion. It's at this tenure in the life of Christ that everything begins to change. His vocabulary changes. His attitude changes. The disciples often wonder at why he would make statements like, except a kernel of wheat fall into the ground and die. It abides alone, but if it die, it shall bring forth 
much fruit. He starts talking more at this time in his life about his death than he does his life. This has the disciples in a dilemma because by this time they are convinced that the Messiah that they have been following and serving will surely set up his kingdom in this earth. But he begins talking about another place. In John chapter 14, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you will be also. This vocabulary, this dialogue has dizzied the disciples. They are not sure what is going on. And in our text, he tells them to go and find this colt. Among all of these words, there are two words that Scripture records quite often in the week of passion. Those two words are now and near. Now and near. So as he approaches what theologians call the triumphal entry, I began to realize it was not only approaching the entry, but it was also approaching the exit. We could say it like this. This is the entry to his exit. Hmm. The answer is approaching and urgency is filling the atmosphere to the point that Matthew records it like this in verse 10 and 11 of chapter 21. And when he was coming to Jerusalem, the city was moved. And they said, who is this? And the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. The city was moved. It means to rock, to vibrate, to throw sideways, or to throw to and fro. The Greek word is seismo, where we get the word seismic. The city was shaken by his presence. When he drew near, things began to move, to throw into a tremor. And during this whole shaking, we're introduced to a word we have never seen in Scripture. For the first time, we hear the word Hosanna. Hosanna. And after preaching for all the years that I've preached, I thought something unique about this day. I always approach this day from John's perspective. John talks about young children with palms as he approached and drew near and they're crying, Hosanna, Hosanna. When you look the word up, it literally means, I pray thee, Save now. Hmm. Children. And when you do the correct etymology, you'll find out that those children were teenage boys. Now you know God's moving. When teenage boys start crying out, Lord, save. And not just save, but save now. It means I pray, be open now to defend us 
And be open now, now, to rescue us. You see, we've seen hallelujah before. That's a, that's a good word. Hallelujah is all through scripture. And hallelujah is a praise that you give him for the things he has done. Has he done anything for anybody in the building? Did he save you? Has he ever healed you? Has something almost happened to you, but God delivered you? If he's ever done one thing for you, I dare you to shout hallelujah right now. Come on. So hallelujah is a praise we give him for all he's done. But Hosanna is a praise we give him for what he's about to do. Now let me throw it at you another way. If you are expecting God to do something absolutely incredible in your life and you want him to do it, I dare you to shout Hosanna right now. Come on. Somebody shout save now. Save. You know what I know? There are people in this building that have situations that you need an answer now, now is a word of urgency. Now it's saying, I can't wait. Lord, I need you and I need you. I don't know if anybody else in this building's ever been there, but I've been there in my life where I've had to say, God, I don't need it tomorrow. I need it. I'm desperate for you. Psalm 118 verse 25, save now, O Lord. Send now your prosperity. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. Save now. Out of the house of the Lord comes the cry, Hosanna. God is good. I like what James Gordon said. He said the greatest word is God. The deepest word is soul. The longest word is eternity. The swiftest word is time. The darkest word is sin. The meanest word is hypocrisy. The broadest word is truth. The strongest word is right. The tenderest word is love. The sweetest word is home. The dearest word is mother. But the nearest word is now. Now. Charles Spurgeon said, now is the watchword of the wise. Now is the watchword of the wise. Luke 19, 41 says, and when he was come near, it means to approach or to be at hand. It comes actually from the word that means to throttle or to squeeze, to check the expression or to check the activity. When Jesus drew near, what was he doing? He was checking the expression of the people. He was checking the activity of the people. Oh, he comes for those things. As a matter of fact, at one point, he's going to say, when I return to the earth, will I find faith there? There's a certain expectation that heaven has of earth. There's a certain expectation that your Savior has of you. So sometimes I'm convinced that he'll just draw near to check your activity. What have you been involved in? 
What are you active in? And it literally means to squeeze. When I saw that, I realized when Christ drew near to the people, it squeezed the now out of them. And when the people drew near to Christ, it squeezed the now out of him. For some reason, I think the squeeze is on right now. I think the squeeze is on. I think, I think it's on. Look around you. We have never been where we are in church history. I just got a feeling that there's a remnant of people called sanctified, blood-bought, spirit-filled believers that have decided that the only answer for the condition of this chaos that we're in in this nation is to draw near to God. And he said, if you will draw near to me, he said, I'll draw near to you. I believe the squeeze is on. (laughs) Anticipation is filling the air. I do believe that. I'm not sure what you sense, but what I sense in my spirit, even as I was praying this morning, is a near and a now. I heard it like this. The now is near. Look at your neighbor and tell him your now is near. It's, it's near. What is your now? Your now is when you step into that moment that shifts your whole life. Your now is that handshake that moves you into a place in your life you've never enjoyed before. Say it again, my now is near. Yeah. Hmm. But I didn't come to preach to you about any of that. I just told you about that stuff to let you know I could preach on it. That's not what I came to preach on. I think the name of the message is a donkey at the door. Don't you like that vocabulary? Very kind vocabulary. A donkey is at the door. Verse 2 of Mark chapter 11 says, And he said unto them, Go your way into the village over against you. And as soon as you enter that village, you shall find a colt tied. Listen to it. Whereon never a man sat, loose him, and bring him. You know, it seems to me that we preach so much about being loosed that we've lost the importance of being tied up. Just hang with me. I'll walk you through it. Everybody wants to be loosed. You ever hear them old saints pray, loose here and let go? I remember being in the altar one time at Antioch Baptist in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And that's, you know, them preachers down south, they preach out the side of their face. They roll their mouth all the way around by their ear. And this preacher was preaching on Lucia. And them sisters grabbed a hold of me and shook me till my bones was rattling, screaming, <laughs> Lucia, Lucia. Everything in me was loose. <laughs> but it seems as though we've preached and taught and 
prophesied loose so much. I'm going to say it again, just like I said it earlier. We have forgotten the importance of being tied. Now, I know there's some cowboys in this church, some guys that were raised on the ranch or raised around horses. My dad raised me. We had 33 horses at one time when I was a kid. We always had horses. I watched my dad work with them horses. And he had an interesting way of training a colt. A colt is what is mentioned here. A colt just means a young donkey. And my dad would take those young horses and he would halter train them. Now, what do you mean, Pastor Rick? He would put a halter on them and he would just let them drag the lead rope all around the pasture. And when they would, they would step on that lead rope, it would pull their head back. <laughs> he was teaching them, don't fight the resistance. Don't fight it. And so he would tie them. He had him a big old tractor inner tube that he had tied to a limb in a tree. And he tied that inner tube to that limb. Then he would take that halter and he would tie that halter to that inner tube. Because if he tied that halter to a rigid fence and that colt was too young, he would pull against it and when he felt it not give, he would fight it. And when he fought it, he endangered himself. So my dad was wise. He would put that colt on an inner tube because that inner tube had give to it. Grace. I mean give. I mean grace. I mean give. I mean grace. I mean give grace. And that colt would sit back on that inner tube and stretch that inner tube five or six feet and shake his head and fuss and buck, but he couldn't get away from being tied up. And he would sweat till he could barely stand. And he would be just sitting there shaking because he wanted to be loosed. But he was learning the importance of being tied up. My dad told me one time, he said, son, I got him so broke that you could tie him to your rearview mirror. Go in and drink you a cup of coffee and come back and he'll still be standing in the same place. Because he was broke. There you go, Michael. He was broke. I hear you, cowboy. He was broke. Which means he had given up the fight to resist being tied up. Hmm. God has a way of finding things that are tied up and breaking them. He has a way of finding things that are tied up and using them. People are usually tied up two ways. The right way or the wrong way. Let's address that first, shall we? Have you ever been tied to the wrong things? Talk back to me in this building. Tied to the wrong person? Tied up in a bad relationship? <laughs> and you would do anything to get out of it, but you found out your soul was tied. 
And the only person that could loose you was Jesus himself. I'm just talking this morning. I was thinking about the Bible saying this colt was tied where two ways met. One version says he was tied at a crossroads. You ever been there? Crossroads represent decisions. Have you ever made a bad one? We call it a wrong turn. <laughs> Have you ever made a wrong decision? Yeah. And the cult was tied at a crossroads. It literally means here in the Greek to be bound, to bind. He was bound at a crossroads. He was tied up. Hmm. A lot of people are like Lazarus. The Bible says he came out of the grave, but he was still in his grave clothes. There's a lot of people that have come out, but you're still tied up. A lot of people come out, but they're still bound. They come out of the grave, but they still have propensities they can't break. It also means not just bound, but to be entangled. Tied up, entangled. Proverbs 5, 22. I'm not boring you, am I? Thank you. A wicked man's iniquities entrap him. He is entangled in the ropes of his own sin. A wicked man, iniquities entrap him. He is entangled in the ropes of his own sin. Paul tells his son Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the affairs of the world or the concerns of civilian life. He seeks to please the recruiter. You know what? When God found you, when God found me, when God found us, we were entangled interwoven in the world and he chose us in an entangled condition and said I have need of you yeah you entangled in drugs you entangled in promiscuity you entangled in every misbehavior that you can possibly think of and God said I still need you now maybe some of you were free when he found you but when he found me, I was tied up. I was entangled in stuff that I couldn't set myself free from. I could not deliver myself. In no way could I help myself. And Jesus said, I still have need of you. You are jacked up, messed up, and tied up, but I still have need of you. Hmm. Entangled. Where two ways met. Crossroads, the decision. Joel said multitudes are stuck in the valley of decision. We all come to crossroads in our life. Even today, you save sanctified people. So you're almost angelic. You almost have wings hanging over the back of your seat. And you still come to crossroads and you make a wrong decision. And when you do, you're so religious, you think you've disqualified yourself from your own destiny. And God says, I still have need of you. That's the kind of God you serve. Prayerfully today, you can sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. 
I came to the crossroads and I made a decision. I have decided to follow Jesus. What's the next word say? Though none go, still. Y'all ain't gonna have church with me today. Though none go with me, still I will follow. I have. I came to a crossroads. I wanted to go the wrong way, but I made a decision. I decided to follow Jesus. If you've not decided at the crossroads of your destiny to follow Jesus, make the right decision before you leave this building today. Make the right decision before we go offline today. Decide to do the right thing. You've done the wrong thing too many times. Decide today to do it Jesus' way. Hmm. Tied up. Tied up. At a crossroads. That's the wrong way. The right way is to be tied up, not at a crossroads, but tied up in consecration. What are you saying, Pastor Rick? Consecrate means to have your hands full. Consecrate. Sanctification is separating yourself. Consecration is busying yourself. Having your hands full. <laughs> what makes you think God is looking for empty hands? My mama used to say, I'd hear her on the phone, the phone would ring, and as soon as it rang, my dad would say, Tell him I'm busy. <laughs> mama would answer the phone, and she would never say, He's busy. My mama would say, he's tied up right now. <laughs> I've learned something that God calls people that are busy before he calls people to make them busy. When he came to, Samuel came to Jesse's house, he said, there's somebody here. That's next. He said, well, let me line them up. He lined seven of them up. No, he's not the one. No, he's not the one. No, he come on in this building. No, he's not the one. No, he's not the one. Do you have another son? What did Jesse say? Yeah, but he's. He's tied up right now. He said, call him in here. He's the one I'm looking for. Some of you want to know the next phase of your purpose in the earth. You ain't even handled your last phase yet. If you was busy doing the last word you received, it wouldn't be hard for you to find the next word you need. Preach in this building, Pastor Rick. So when God needs a prophet, he goes to his house and Eli is sleeping. And his eyes whacked dim, and ere the lamp of God went out, and the voice of the Lord walked into the temple. And he cried out, Samuel, Samuel. Why did God call Samuel? Because Samuel had his hands full. Samuel was tied up taking care of business that Phinehas and Hophni had forsaken. How busy are you? 
Are you busy worrying about other people's business? Or can you say with Christ as a 12-year-old, I must be about my father's business. What are you tied up in? Are you tied up in gossip? Tied up in lying? Tied up in cheating on your spouse? What are you tied up in? I am. He called Moses on the backside of the wilderness. Why? Because Moses was doing nothing? No. But because Moses was doing something. See, he has a way of calling people that are doing something. His call don't make you, I'm going to make up my own word here, unlazy. His call does not take you from being irresponsible to responsible. His call saves you. His call anoints you. His call empowers you. But it is your responsibility to take the application of the anointing and use it in your everyday life. Preach in the building, Pastor Rick. You say, Pastor Rick, that's all Old Testament stuff. Well, let's go to the disciples. I don't see him calling one disciple that was doing nothing. As a matter of fact, he found Peter and Andrew working on fish nets. He said, drop your nets and get tied to me. I thought about this donkey. And you know what the Bible does not tell us? How long that donkey been tied there? It just says he's young. And how many of you know anything young is impatient? There's no reference to this donkey's history. It doesn't say this donkey is the son of. Or this donkey begat that donkey. We just know one thing about the donkey. That's all we know. What is the donkey? Tied up. That's all we know. So I thought today I would ask a question. How long you been entangled in that curse? Yeah. How long have you been trapped in that circumstance? How long have you been tied up in the work of the Lord? But you still don't know your purpose. How long you been tithing? You've been tied to tithing and you hadn't seen any windows open. Getting quiet in a sanctified church. How long you been serving and haven't seen a breakthrough? How long you been living right and praying for a spouse and they still haven't shown up? Somebody shout, how long? How long? How long? How long? Say this with me. How long have you been tied up? It's a very important question. Be encouraged today. Be encouraged today because I'm going to show you something. First of all, I'm going to show you in Mark chapter 5 that a woman has been tied up with an issue of blood for 12 years. But today is a different day. Because today she's going to tie herself to a garment 
And the man wearing that garment is going to set her free from the things she's been tied up in. Stay with me today because I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to tell you about a man in John chapter 5 that is an invalid and he's impotent and he's sitting by a pool waiting for the water to be stirred. And he was asked a question by Jesus, how long you been this way? And he said, 38 years I've been tied up. But today, he's going to get a word that says, rise up, take up your bed, and walk away. I just kind of believe that there's somebody in this building with a 12-year issue, 12-year-old issue you've been tied up in. You've been tied up in things for a very long time. But today, somebody shout, today is my day. Or maybe you're the woman in Luke chapter 13 that was bound by a spirit of infirmity. The Bible says for 18 years. And Jesus called her and he said, woman, thou art loosed from your infirmity. I came by to tell you that I got a feeling that you are in the right place at the right time and God is about to untie some stuff that has had you tied up for a long time. For this purpose, John said, was the Son of God made manifest that he might destroy, the word is undo, everything that the enemy has done. I dare somebody in this building throw your head back and shout, enemy, your time is up. I've been tied up in this mess long enough. Shout it again. Enemy, your time is up. Lord have mercy here. David lived anointed. David lived consecrated. David lived called for 20 years before he stepped into his kingdom. I came by to tell somebody, you've been serving, you've been faithful, You've been loyal, you've been committed, you've been in covenant. I got a feeling that you are about to step into the thing that you have been waiting for. Throw your head back and shout, my time is now. Tell your neighbor, it's time, it's time. It's to y'all forgive me while I preach here today. I feel the Holy Ghost in my sanctified soul. I look at people that waited from March 2020 to March 2021. You done been through a virus, a pandemic, a political upheaval, and you've been saying, how long, Lord? And I believe the church is right before there now just throw your head back and shout we've been tied up long enough Woo! and I read this Bible this morning I've been preaching on this Hosanna Palm Sunday for 40 years but I saw something today by the Holy Ghost I have never seen in my life I saw the Bible say in verse 4 of Mark 11 that the colt was just not tied. But he's tied at the door. Hmm. Doors in scripture are so important that David's going to say it like this. I would rather be a doorkeeper. Well, in the house 
of God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. I would rather stand right here by this door than to dwell in the tents. Uh, I need to know if there's any doorkeepers in the house. I would rather be a doorkeeper sitting here waiting for that door to open that to dwell in the tents of the wicked. Doors are so important that Ezekiel says in chapter 47, verse 1, that God brought me again to the door of the house. He said, and behold, I saw water moving from under the threshold of the house. There's some things you ain't never going to see move until you get an appreciation for the doors of the house of God. If you're going to be by the door, you got to be close to the house. And I came by to tell you, something is about to flow. Something is about to move. God is about to change your current in your chaos. This thing's about to turn around and the water is about to flow in your life. But you got to watch the door. This cold. They made a mistake with this donkey, see? They put him by the door. They could have put him down the fence, but no, they had to put him by a gate. And I don't know about you, but I just feel like this young donkey watched that gate every day, thinking somebody is about to open that gate. Somebody's about to open that door. Somebody's about to move something so I can step in. And I came by to tell you, as we are in 2021, enough is enough. You've been by that gate, tied up long enough that gate is about to open for you and you are about shout it I want my breakthrough shout it I want my breakthrough shout it I want my breakthrough I was thinking about that woman in 2nd Kings chapter 4 that looked after the prophet. She recognized he was a man of God. She told her husband, build a room onto our house. Put a lamp in there. Put a table in there. Put a bed in there for the man of God. They did so. The man of God looked at his servant, said these people been so good to us. Asked the woman what she needs. The servant comes back and tells the prophet, she don't have a child. The man of God tells the servant, go tell that woman, by this time, next year, you're going to be sitting with a baby in your arms. The spirit of prophecy gravitates to people that recognize. The spirit of prophecy gravitates to people who will serve. And the Bible says that the prophet said, call her. And the, and the servant went in and said, the prophet wants you. Read your Bible. Second Kings 4.15. The Bible says the woman ran and stood in the door. My question to you today is where are you standing? Why are you standing in the back of the room while God has given you a door to your destiny? And I came by to tell you, Get out of your discouragement and get in the door. Get out your despondency. Get in the door. Get out your depression. Get in the door. Because when you're tied by the door, any moment that baby's going to open up for you and you're going to step in to what you always dreamed of enjoying. I need 10 Holy Ghost filled people.
that's been tied to the door. I dare you to give God praise like you know the door is about to open. The door. Can I preach this whole word? I saw it this morning. I studied it real good. And the word door in the Greek literally means not just gate, but it means the vestibule. You know what that is? It's the foyer. When I saw it, I felt impressed by the Holy Ghost that many of you have been in the foyer of your future. You've been hanging out in the lobby. You've been hanging out in the foyer of your future. You've been in the lobby. You ain't been in the building. But I heard God say, you're about to move from the foyer right into your future. I'm about to open a door that's going to launch you out of your historical past right into the middle of your prophetic future. Tell your neighbor, I'm coming out the foyer. I'm coming out the foyer. I am leaving the foyer. I ain't hanging out in the vegetable. It's the vegetable of my vision. And I'm leaving the foyer. And I'm getting in my future. I'm going to say it again. Leave the foyer and get into your future. Can I get 20 people excited about your future? It means the passage. Read the definitions yourself. It means the passage. It's a prophetic passage. Many of you have been tied into to right at the door of your prophetic passage. You've heard about it. You've prayed about it. You've even seen it in your vision. But I'm here to tell you, it took 21 days for Michael to get down there to bring an answer. This is 2021, so I'm going to prophesy to you that the thing you've been waiting to open is about to open. The answer is approaching. When it gets here, don't let the answer find you living on the backside of something you ain't supposed to be involved in. When the answer comes, let it find you standing right at the door of expectation. When it shows up, you throw your hands open and you say, I've been waiting for you to arrive. If you believe your answer is at the door, I dare you to give him praise one more time. I heard in prayer that many people thought that they were tied in a place that paralyzed their progress. But I'm here to tell you that God had you tied up until the right door opened. He kept you tied because he knew you would go through any door that opened. But he said, I have kept you tied until the right door opens. I'll leave it alone. I got to stop. Oh, if I had me intent today, if I had me intent today, see, I would take you by the hand and I'd walk you up to that tent with the, with the angel of the Lord where he looks in there 
And the Bible says Abraham mm, is in the back of the tent. And God says, Abraham, come out of the back of the tent. He said, I want you to count these stars. and I want you to count this sand on the seashore. And if you can count them, then you can count my blessings to you. Yeah. The angel leaves. That's chapter 15. He said, but I'm going to be back. In chapter 18, he comes back. Abraham's not at the back of the tent. The Bible says in Genesis 18 that Abraham was in the door of the tent. Because once you get a word from God, you don't dwell in the back of the tent. You wait in the door of the tent. And some of you have a word from God, but you have become too comfortable that it's not going to happen. And I came to tell you, Hosanna. I want you to get your urgency back. Somebody shout it. Do it now, Lord. Do it now. Revelation says, I know your work. Revelation 3.8. This is the Lord speaking to you today. I know your work. Behold, I have set before you an open door. And no man can shut it. I'm going to say it again. I have seen your diligence. I've seen your faithfulness. Pat, I've seen your work. Michael, I've seen your labor. And I have set before you, not a closed door, but an open door, watch it, that no man can shut. God didn't ask them their evaluation of you. God didn't ask them their opinion of you. He didn't hold an election and ask them to vote for you. God said, I chose you and I put you at the door. You have been patient. You have been waiting. And now I've set before you an open door and no man can close what I have opened. If you believe that you are about to step into the next door of your destiny, can you give God a crazy praise one more time? Come on, can you praise him one more time? Can you get on your feet? Can you jump up on your feet and give God a praise like you know something is about to open? You've been at that door long enough. Woo. God is good, isn't he? God is good. Come on, I say God is good. 